year was 1988, there was this railroad worker in Poland who uh, was working, doing his normal routine, and he fell on the track, and the train hit him. This man named Jan, he, uh, he lived, but just barely. He stayed in a comatose state for 19 years. For 19 years, he laid in a bed at a hospital with very little, I guess, hope of what would happen next in his life. But in 2017, Jan woke up. You see, 19 years earlier in Jan's life, he lived in Poland when it was a communist state. He can remember sitting in lines waiting for meat. He can remember waiting in huge lines for gas. And there was only like tea, vinegar, in the shops. That was it. He remembers those years. But 19 years later, he awakes and he starts walking down the street and he sees a free nation. And what he observed was this, people on the streets on their mobile phones. And yet they never stopped moaning. He could remember 19 years earlier where you didn't even have opportunity for that. And his thought was this, why is it that people live without being thankful for what they have? We're always lost in the, we wish we had plus. We wish we had more of this. We wish we had more of that. And we live in this constant state of, we wish we had this. So today, we're going to start a new series called Game Changers. There are people that helped Jesus teach. They didn't know that they were doing it at the time. They didn't even know they were going to be a part of the teaching. All they knew was this. Their lives would change Scripture forever. And the other part of it, we don't even know their names. Every person that we're going to look into in this series is nameless in Scripture. They're just people that encountered Jesus and had an amazing moment with the Savior in a way that would change how you and I look at the Savior himself. So let's go ahead and turn in Scripture together. If you have your Bibles, Luke 17, we're going to start at the 11th verse. As you're searching for that, I want to talk to you about a particular subject that we're going to approach in the Scriptures together. And that is one of leprosy. Leprosy is a disease, a skin disease. It is so monumental in someone's life that the Old Testament talks about it only second to the worst thing you could do, and that was to be around someone that was dead. So they have this plan. If you had leprosy, you would appear before the priest. He would declare you unclean, at which point you would be asked to leave the city. You couldn't even come back into the city. In fact, if you had leprosy, you had to stay 150 feet away from anyone else. You could just imagine for a moment these people that had this skin disease, they would literally walk up and start to turn a knob on a door and their skin would fall off. They were declared the worst of the worst. They were so pushed outside of society that no one would be around you. If you were deemed unclean, you were pretty much unclean for life. That means this that it, today, if you can imagine your life, the way you're living, the people you know, the household you go home to today, you are forever asked to stay out in the middle of nowhere. You're living in the canyon, and if someone walks up, you have to distance yourself from them. And what's worse is this. Not only could you just be unclean, you had to tell everybody around you that you were unclean. You would cry it out so that they would know so that they could stay away from you. So if you can imagine you're walking uh, in the canyon, you're taking your family and you're climbing up the side of the mountains, and someone there yells out, unclean, unclean. You would take your kids and you would grab them and you'd say, we need to go this other way. These people were literally cut off from society. No one would be around them. No one could touch them. If you touched someone that was unclean with leprosy, you now were unclean by association. 
And so this is what lays out the scripture as we read it today in Luke chapter 17, verse 11. You got it? Say, I got it. That's awesome. I didn't do that. I was too busy talking. Hey, listen, I realize that the game clock is running, that there's a a finite amount of time that I'm going to keep both our students and our deacons awake on one given Sunday, so I'm going to move quickly today. Luke 17, verse 11 reads like this. While traveling to Jerusalem, he passed between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with a serious skin disease, as his lepers, met him. They stood at a distance. How far? 150 feet. They stood at a distance and raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he told them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And while they were going, they were healed. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. And he fell face down at his feet, thanking him. And he was, what does it say? A Samaritan. We'll get back to that here in a minute. Then Jesus said, we're not, tens clean, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except the foreigner? And he told him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. This is a pivotal part in Scripture because it is touching a people group that no one would touch. Who wants to be around a leper? No one. But see, the lepers had heard about this man, Jesus. We don't know when. We just know at some point these foreigners, these outsiders, gathered together and went together to find Jesus. And they stood far off. They kept their distance because they don't know if Jesus is just going to go, hey, I can't be around you. You need to go that way. I'm going to go this way. All we know is this. They misstepped twice. One, they gathered together. The second, they have not cried out unclean. So they showed up on the scene, and they've got their distance, and and they can see the Savior, but they're staying their distance, and what they're yelling out is, you are Jesus the Messiah. Have mercy on us. I love this picture as Jesus shows a story of people that wish their story was different. Hey, listen, let's look at it together. We all have parts of our story we wish were unwritten. We all have parts of our story that we wish people didn't know about us. I mean, if we're being honest, our stories don't look as great as we hope they do. We like to omit parts. And these men, they have parts of their story that are broken. Where'd they come from? We don't know where the other nine are from, but we know where one was from. But we know that these ten men, as they showed up, they are broken, they are lonely, they are hurting. This is not an easy disease. It hurts you. I mean, it is devastating. You'd have to cover your upper lip. You'd have to you'll clothe yourself head to toe you'd have to let your hair hang down like there's so many parts of the scripture that we hear that they had to do to show that they were unclean and so they were pushed out of society completely they had to leave their wives and children they had to leave their works they had to leave their homes they had to leave their parents they had to leave everything because they got a disease they didn't ask for and here they are standing 150 feet away from saving grace And all they can declare is the same thing that we get to declare today. You are the Messiah. Have mercy on us. Something we don't deserve, but only Jesus can give. And so in this moment, we get this. Mercy is this, a blessing that is an act of divine favor or compassion. 
Mercy is this act of divine favor or compassion. Here's what that means. Jesus could do something that no one else would do in a way that no one else could. They were asking not just that God would love them, not just that Jesus would save them. He is the only healing that they can imagine. He's it. This is the truth that we've got to get today. Only Jesus can heal us. Only he can bring the things that we desperately need in our lives. We have all been pushed out. Whether we know it or not, we all have sin, and it separates us from God's glory. And because of that, we need something. And that something is in the name of Jesus. And only by his mercy, only by his grace, do we have any way that we can come to the Father. So we stand out just like these ten levers, and we declare, Lord Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. And I promise you the same thing is going to happen to you. Jesus is going to tell you what happens when you believe. All ten of them did exactly what Jesus told them to do, by the way. What does Jesus say to them? Verse 14, go and show yourself to the priest. Here's what that would mean. If someone that had a form of leprosy got sick and had to leave but healed, they couldn't just come back home. They would have to go back to the priest who would check them out and see if they had leprosy still. They would declare them clean. They would sacrifice, and then they could go back home. So Jesus is telling them, go to the one who's your priest. So the ten all start down the road together. Can you imagine this? As they're walking, what does it say happened? They were, can you imagine how that looked? A man that for as long as he can remember up his arm had leprosy. And as he's walking, he turns to the guy and he goes, hey, I... Hey, anybody else's arms look like mine now? Other guy, man, my legs are, I don't have, somebody look at my face. Leprosy, and they're all starting to go, man, let's get to the priest as fast as we can. I mean, we're healed. No more leprosy. Let's go. And one starts to walk, and he goes, I just left my priest. Only one in this crowd is going to realize the priest is behind him. We don't know the outcome of the other nine. I'd like to think that they were healed. They listened to what Jesus said, and they went to the priest, and he declared them clean. But there's one that should not have come back to a Jewish Jesus, and that's a Samaritan. I don't know where he was in that crowd of ten when they were crying out to Jesus from their 150 feet. In my mind, I'd like to think of him in the back of the crowd. I don't know about you all. Standing there going, how do we cry out to a Jewish guy? I'm a Samaritan. We don't, we don't get along. And Jesus says, go present yourself to a priest. A Samaritan would not have gone to a Jewish priest. He would have gone to a Samaritan one. So at some point, I have to believe that something happened. This is Corinthians, and I want you to know this is not scriptural. This is just my understanding. At some point, the nine started heading back to Jerusalem. And the Samaritan started walking alone. And as he was walking, he started to realize something. Jesus isn't just a Jew. Who else could tell you to start walking and heal you? Something the priest could never do for him. There wasn't a priest in the temple that could stand back and say, Hey, if you start walking down this road, you'll be healed. There's never been a priest that's done that since. So at some point he stops on his path and just goes, where am I going? That man just told me to start walking and I'm healed. 
And so at some point he turns back. We don't know where he was on the road. We don't know how far he had gone. All we know is in verse 15 it says, But one of them, seeing he was healed, returned. And what does he do? With a loud voice he gave glory to God. You imagine that? They're doing what they've been doing. Jesus talking with people and all of a sudden from the back of the room, or back down the road, all they can hear is somebody singing praise and worship. And they're, they're kind of going, anybody hearing that? And they turn and they see the Samaritan coming. And he's just doing this number. For the first time in his life, he doesn't have to declare unclean. For the first time in his life, he doesn't have to keep his distance. For the first time in a long time, he walks right up to the people that are there. And what does he do? He falls face down at Jesus' feet. It says, thanking him. And then it says this, and he was a Samaritan. It is a game-changing moment. But it's something that reminds us of something. We always have the opportunity to have validation from the wrong source. We always have the opportunity to have validation from the wrong source. But here's the thing. True healing recognizes there is only one true healing. True healing recognizes there is only one true healing. The Samaritan could have kept walking. And he'd have been just doing so. He could have gone and presented himself to the Samaritan priest. He could have walked in and said, check me out. I'm healed. No longer a leper. He could have gone home. But instead he pauses his moment and he goes back to the feet of Jesus because he gets something that we've got to get today. We can seek validation from the wrong places. We can keep coming to broken wells, people like pastors, and saying, don't you validate my life? And we're still going to say, look at the life of Jesus. And if your pastor doesn't point you to Jesus and he points you to himself, he is a broken pastor who needs Jesus. Because Jesus is the true healing. I'm telling you, I, I know how broken life can be. I've been in those moments where I feel like there is nothing going right for me in my life. That it's as if God has forgotten me. I'm on a road alone and I'm searching for something to show up that tells me that God is near. And maybe you're there today. Maybe you came today and you said, listen, I, I want to feel like God is close. I want to feel him in my life. I want to experience him. I just can't. Well, it's because you keep walking to the wrong priest. You're just heading down the wrong road you got to come to the feet of Jesus. He is the healing. That's where it takes place. Only Jesus can heal our lives. And listen, we tend to be louder in our hurts than in our healings. We always tend to be louder in our hurts than our healings. Don't you find yourself uniquely praying more when something isn't going right than when it does? Here's why. You're walking down the wrong road. There's a road of brokenness, and it is always calling for you and I to walk down it, to find a priest at the other end that is lousy and human. But there is one road that leads back to the true healer, Jesus. And he wants to change your life. He wants to change you from the inside out. He doesn't care about what's on your skin. He cares what's in your heart. And i got to tell you something. That's where we tend to stop, isn't it? We tend to put everybody into our lives that look or act like we want them to. They've got to vote our way. They've got to act our way. They've got to drive our cars. They've got to look like our house. Instead of going, Jesus, you are the way. 
And anybody that would come with me towards you is welcome on my road. That's how we find healing. You don't know how you feel, fix a broken nation? We as Christians start walking back to Jesus. We can't find it in the side roads that lead to political correctness. We can't find it on the side roads that lead to churches that are, you know, multi-billion members. We're going to find it on a road that leads us back to the feet of Jesus. And once we get back there, then we will start to realize that is where we should have always been. When Jesus says to the disciples, go and present your, or to these lepers, go present yourself to the priests, they all should have come to Jesus. That's the thing about this story. There is one high priest, and they, the nine of them missed it completely. Were they healed? Probably. But one of them got it all. One of them got it all. You see, nine walked away with healed skin, but one walked away with a healed heart. He got it right. So we've got to start letting our hearts be healed at the feet of Jesus And this is how it works. Jesus ends this with saying, where are the rest of your friends? Which that one has no answer for. And then he says, didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? Which means what? Nine weren't. There's one foreigner. And it's this guy at the feet of Jesus right now. And what does he say to him? Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. This changes the story. In fact, faith changes your story. Maybe you came today and you feel like you are that person that needs to stay up outside of camp just declaring, I don't have what it takes. I'm broken. No one's going to love me. No one hears my story. No one knows how bad this is. But there is a man named Jesus who knows your story. You see, he is the healing. He is the way that changes lives. Faith in him can change your story. Because there's one thing I know for sure. Today you're here for a reason. And it's not just so that you could see me in my awesome D-Now shirt. It's so you could be changed by Jesus. He brought you here. You don't even know it. He brought you here so that you could be changed by Jesus today. The question is this, on your road to healing, on your road to greatness of faith, on your road to perfecting the American dream, if that's where you want to be, will you fall at the feet of Jesus? Or will you go your own path? Because I believe this. This may be the catch-all of catch-alls today. There's people today that will die with lots of money, lots of fame, Lots of houses, lots of Bentleys, whatever car you desire. They'll have a lot of stuff. But when they die without Jesus, they will die broke. And in this life, I believe this. If you trust Jesus, you can have all that too. I believe that. I don't believe that when you become a Christian that Jesus goes, you can't have anything. I'm sorry, you're destined for nothingness. I don't believe that. I do, however, believe this. No matter if you die with nothing in the bank or everything, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you gain it all. He has it all. Here's the other part of this story. Today, Jesus stands and waits for people on their road to healing, walking in wrong directions, 
and he stands waiting for anyone, anyone that would come back to his feet. Today, I don't know your story. I don't know what you're carrying with you. I don't know your heart, but Jesus does. And he stands waiting and willing to heal your life. But you got to walk towards him. you got to start your journey. And I promise you this, on your way, as you're searching after Jesus, you can't help but praise God. Amen. It's going to happen. So my prayer today is this. Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you asked him to come in and change your life, not just your heart, your everything? Have you given him your all? Have you surrendered everything to him? Have you come to his feet today? Faith is the healing. Do you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord? And today, will you confess him as Lord? We believe that is the faith that heals. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that today you would give us the understanding, God, that it's time that we wake up from our spiritual coma. And we start to see the freedom you give us, the healing that you bring us, the journey that you allow us to be on. God, we want to be changed by you. So God, today, will you speak over our lives, or will your spirit penetrate our hearts, Lord, and, and open our eyes to where we need to be. God, we're all people that don't deserve cleanliness that comes from you. But God, thank you that you give it. Today, we give you our everything. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.